Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty, a wife and mom of three and author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. I'm also the lead teacher, blogger, and owner of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast devoted to healthy family cooking with traditional methods like sourdough and old-fashioned pickling. These foods are easy, delicious, healing, and your family will love them. If you haven't already, be sure to grab my free gift for you. Five free traditional cooking videos from inside Traditional Cooking School that will introduce you to my favorite fundamental techniques of traditional cooking. To start watching today, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash watch. And now, let's get to today's show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Know Your Food with Forty. This is episode 148. The links and more will be up at the show notes when this goes live at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 148. I want to give a special warm welcome to 36 and climbing viewers who are joining me live on Periscope for this live recording. You are special and it's very fun to have you here. And those of you checking this out later as a video on the show notes page or on iTunes, when you hear me interacting with the audience, that's why, because I hop on here about 30 Thursday every week prior to the podcast being released, I get on Periscope and we record it live. So if you want to join in the fun, make sure to go to periscope.tv slash tradcookschool on Thursday. You kind of will have to watch it if it's Thursday because I don't have a designated time. But if you've got a mobile device and can download the Periscope app, then you can follow at Trad Cook School. That's my handle. And then your phone or your device will give you a notification when I'm on. And then you can hop on if you're available. So welcome once again to everyone who's here with me live and those of you who are coming later. It's such a pleasure to be with you. And today I have a great topic. I think these are the 11 ways that I personally lighten my traditional cooking load. I do want to give a nod to a previous series that I've done on this podcast. Um, Episodes 133 through 137 were traditional cooking time-saving tips. It was a whole collection gathered from the community and myself and other teachers and things I've learned along the years. Um, So be sure and check those out. Today's episode is going to focus on some of those I honestly don't know if some of the things I'm going to share today are new or not, because there were so many shared in those um, five episodes. Uh, But the 11 ways that I lighten the load today are time-saving tips for traditional cooking, but they're the ones that I personally am using today and tend to rely on to keep up with traditional cooking in our uh, lifestyle. Now, I don't want to give anybody the impression that traditional cooking is hard because it certainly is not. If you're already cooking from scratch, you might actually find that traditional cooking is easier because traditional cooking employing um, uh, natural processes like sourdough or culturing dairy or fermenting actually save you time because you Uh, You're facilitating the steps, but the foods and the cultures are kind of doing a lot of the work for you. So if you're used to cooking from scratch, uh, traditional cooking may save you some time. If you're used to cooking from scratch or do traditional cooking, then you know just overall we spend more time in the kitchen than somebody's who's like relying on fast food or processed food. And so overall we're looking for ways to be more efficient and not to be a slave to to the kitchen, to have all that other time to enjoy our family and friends and be plugged in with our church and do the kinds of things that um, bring us passion outside of the kitchen. So that's what this is about. 
I don't like to be in the kitchen all day. Um, I do like to be in there, though. I enjoy washing dishes and I enjoy connecting with my food, but I also like to spend time with my kids and husband. And now with traditional cooking school getting um, as big and busy as it is, I spend two to three days in an office in town doing this kind of stuff, you know, talking, visiting videos and things like that. And in the comments, I'm getting a comment, wash mine. <laughs> I'd be happy to. I do really enjoy hot soapy water and that contemplative action. So getting to what we're going to talk about today. So these are the things that I follow that keep me sane and that really lighten my traditional cooking load so that my life can be happy and full. I know you all want that for yourselves as well. So as I'm speaking today, uh, if you're here with me live, feel free to chime in with your comments, your tips, or anything you want to add to the conversation right on Periscope. Um, and if you like what you're hearing, you can share live and we'll grow this to a, a bigger audience. If you're listening to this later, the show notes comments are waiting for you at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 148. So, you know, go to that show notes link. You can watch the video. You can listen to the audio. And down below all the links and the notes from what I'm sharing today, you will find a comments box and you can share your tips or resources or comments about what you're hearing there. And I'll, I'll mention that again at the end. So let's dive in now. So number one, once again, the 11 ways I personally lighten my traditional cooking load is work with the seasons. Here's the thing. We don't eat the same year round. So why carry that burden of expecting us to do the same kind of cooking all year round. Why do we have to have that burden of feeling like we have to keep up with everything to do with traditional cooking all year? That's just ridiculous. So you want to work with the seasons. For instance, some seasons you're not doing a lot of baking. So you just put the sourdough starter away for a few months and you just don't use it. Same thing with, we mentioned earlier, because we have uh, commenters here today drinking kombucha and I, we make kombucha in our house, but sometimes we take a break from it. So we put it away. We put that scoby in a, a little bit of finished kombucha in a dark, cool place. And it lasts for a few months. And then we bring it out again when we're ready to start making more kombucha. Um, winter is soup weather. So you're making lots of soups. Uh, probably less soups in the summer, although maybe you're a soup, soup weather fan, no matter what the weather is. And that's great because it's a great way to get your broth in. Uh, but maybe in the summer, you turn more to cold salads, lots of fresh vegetables, grilling, pizzas. The idea is here, work with the seasons. Don't feel like you have to keep up with all your traditional cooking skills all the time. I don't. And I'm happy about that. It actually gives you a renewed love for the for those skills that you've built up to do them in the seasons. It really gets to be grunt work for me. It gets to be grunt work if I do things year round. But if I take breaks, then I come, come back to it when I pick it up again, whatever it is, um, with a renewed passion and a renewed love for it. So I, I encourage you that way. Number two, prioritize. This is kind of a corollary of number one to work with the seasons, but here you're gonna work with your priorities. You don't do everything all the time. You do what's important for you and your family. So what's important for your healing? What's important for your season of life? If you have uh, babies and little toddlers, you're going to be really focused probably on 
the most nourishing diet for them to give a give them a really strong start in life, making a lot of baby food. If you're really into gardening, you're going to be into canning and preserving during that season. If there's someone who's on a gut healing diet in your family, you're going to have to prioritize making broth. And that is going to have to be your number one thing that you do. And other things, uh, you know, fall off if they're, if, if you run out of time. So really spend some time thinking about priorities. We do in our family, we have certain priorities and those are the things that get done. So, um, for example, broth is a priority. Um, also a priority with us is I spend at least two days away working from home, sorry, working away from home at an office in town. And so those are the days when my son, our oldest daughter got married and moved out. So our son, who's um, mid-teenager, I've been training him and he's doing a ton of the cooking. So the priority on those days when I'm gone is he is the chef and he's going to make what he knows how to make. And the other nights when I'm home, I'm training him with other skills and other meals. And, you know, this is going to, this is going to come up again. So I'm going to stop talking about this particular thing. But idea here, number two is what are your priorities? What's important to your family? And so, um, remove the other things. Number three, delegate. This is where my the thing about my son comes in. So this is a gradual process, and it really depends on your spouse and your children's age and availability. Um, but you can delegate, no matter no matter if it's training your two year old to help you put away dishes, or you know the silverware out of the dishwasher, or help load the dishwasher with non breakables, or uh, lay out napkins and set the table. Even toddlers can get involved. Now, the, the thing is you want to be working with them all the time, reminding and fine-tuning the nuances, and it's a very gradual process. Like right now, I feel so incredibly blessed that our son cooks as many meals as he does so wonderfully, but we've invested time with him um, day after day when, when I could, and this doesn't come naturally to me, and I'm just going to flat out confess it, that if it weren't for my husband's encouraging, I probably wouldn't be where I am now enjoying uh, my son and our oldest daughter cooking as well as I do because I'm a person who just likes to take care of it myself. But my husband has encouraged me over the years to get them involved because it's good for them and not to mention good for me and good for our family. So I feel really blessed that our son is as capable as he is in the kitchen right now, but it took daily investing of time with him. I'm in the kitchen cooking, call him in. Okay, Micah, this is what we're making. And this is your responsibility. And I coach him through it. And like when I was training him to do uh, our fried chicken dinner, oh, he makes amazing fried chicken and oven fries. We have it at least once a week. And it's on a night that I've been away during the day. He can just do it from start to finish now. But I made it with him maybe a half dozen times. And every time I was a little bit less hands-on. And by the sixth time or so, I didn't count exactly. I know it was, you know, around that many times. By the sixth time or so, I was right there in the house, in the kitchen, in the dining room. But he did it from start to finish himself, just me watching. I didn't even really have to say anything. So that time that he did it all by himself, that I didn't have to like give him a point or anything, I knew he is ready to do this from for, by himself without me even being home. And sure enough, now he can. And this is the process for really every meal I've taught him and every skill, and the same with our oldest child who's now married and, and on her own. Um, 
it's been a gradual process of them learning and getting more confident and uh, me as the parent having less input to the point where they can do it on their own. Um, and that's how it goes with the youngest of children to the oldest of children. You invest this time and you work with them gradually until one day you realize oh, they can make a half dozen meals from start to finish all by themselves. It's quite amazing. Uh, so the delegation is actually work, but if you invest the time, uh, it'll lighten the load you know, when you get there. And I don't mean when you get there, you're totally done. It's at least for me, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to work with him on this meal till he gets it good. In the meantime, I'm working on other meals. And so every week or two, his new proficiency is ready to go. And it's incredible. So like last night, uh, we did hamburgers and he's done them on the grill. He knows how to do them on the grill. Last night, I showed him how to sear them on both sides in cast iron on the stovetop, move them to the oven to finish baking. So he knows that, that now he knows that concept of searing over direct heat and finish the cooking with indirect, both on the grill and in the oven. And he can do it now by himself. I'm completely confident. Anyway, that was number three is delegate. Um, I am getting a comment from Joyful Mama that she bought Katie Kimball's kids cooking classes for your little ones. Excellent. That's going to be wonderful. And that brings up a good point. If any members are here, you already have access, members of Traditional Cooking School, you already have access to our Real Food Kids class, uh, which is co-taught by me and Jamie Delgado. And Jamie's philosophy is everyone eats everyone cooks. So there's a word missing in there, which is everyone eats, so everyone cooks. It's a philosophy in their family that if you eat, you should be able to cook, just like all their children learn to brush their teeth and make their bed and clean up their messes. It's a necessity in family life. And so they have been a great example. I could have learned from it um, if I'd had, if I'd known about it when our kids were even littler. It's never too late. Let me be an example of that. It's never too late. But the idea is, as soon as they're able, get them involved. Have them know, just like you do, um, that cooking is an important part of life and to participate in it. Doesn't mean everybody's going to love it. Our children don't all love cooking equally, uh, but they need those skills. It's just important for them and it's important for the family. Hi, I'm Wardy, a traditional cook, wife and mom of three, author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods, and lead teacher, owner, and blogger at traditionalcookingschool.com. You know, the biggest misconception about traditional cooking is that the methods take too long or are too complicated to follow. This is simply not true. I'd love to show you how simple, easy, healthy, and delicious traditional cooking can be by giving you five free videos. Just go to traditionalcookingschool.com slash watch to get my favorite traditional food prep techniques, plus I'm giving you printable at-a-glance fact sheets as a handy reference. So if you're ready to start looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good for God and your family, then visit traditionalcookingschool.com slash watch today. Number four is leftovers. So... I, I like to make big batches of food. And one reason is that if I make a big dinner, lunch is covered the next day. 
also there tends to be even a little bit more. So every third day or at least once a week, we have a leftover meal, pull out everything from the fridge and finish it. And so it's kind of like a smorgasbord because you get a little of this and a little of that, or sometimes the foods lend themselves to just mixing all together. And it's like goulash. That's what we called it growing up. Um, just mixing a whole bunch of things together. It can give you such a break in the kitchen. I love leftover nights or leftover lunches. So that's tip number four, a really quick one. Another thing that we take advantage of a lot, especially in the winter, that really lightens my load is soups. Soups are so easy. So um, I will either cook a whole chicken chicken and debone it and save the bones in the freezer. So then the next time I make soup, I'm uh, making broth with the bones, pulling out the broth, then adding the other ingredients to the soup. And it's just a couple stages over the course of an hour or two. Um, Well, that is if you do... Uh, the the bones in your pressure cooker. It's a really quick uh, stock. But anyway, over the course of a few hours of very little hands-on time, but just add this and let this simmer and strain and whatnot, you have soup. And it was almost no work at all. And soups are so flexible and you can put anything in them. So I love soups. Could not be easier. Uh, Number six, kind of related, but it's going to open up even more possibilities. By the way, I want to stop here for a moment and just thank all my live uh, viewers and listeners for being here and for continuing to put your comments and share the hearts. I love it. Thank you so much. So number six is the Instant Pot. Have you guys gotten on the Instant Pot craze yet? If you haven't, definitely your ears should be perking up. Um, And I'll have a link to my favorite Instant Pot, the model that I purchased a couple months ago um, at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 148. In the comments, we've got love mine. No, but I've heard a ton about it. Yes. Love, love, love. Yeah, definitely love, love, love. So here's the thing. The instant pot is like a pressure cooker, a rice cooker, a crock pot. Mine has like seven functions. I haven't even used them all yet because I really focus on the rice cooker, the crock pot, the pressure cooker. But when I started pressure cooking, um, I found it so easy, but I chose a Kuhn Recon um, pressure cooker that I still love. But you you have to monitor it, whether it's on the outside camp stove or whether it's on your electric burner or gas burner. You have to monitor the temperature so that it maintains the appropriate pressure. So it's a little more hands-on, even though the cooking is quick. You have to be right there making sure it's at the right uh, pressure, which means monitoring the temperature. And sometimes it can be hard. Like you have to, you know, if you lower the temperature too much, the pressure decreases too much. So the best thing to do is actually move it a little off the burner so it's not all the way on the burner. And it's just hard to get right. It also depends on how many contents are in it. So that's how I got my feet wet with pressure cooking, absolutely fell in love with it. And then I heard about the instant pot and I was like, I have to get one. And I got a really good deal on Black Friday last year. Um, That was my only Black Friday purchase. (laughs) Anyway, it's so hands off because it takes care of the pressure regulation and everything. You just low or high pressure, how many minutes and turn on. And it also has all these settings you know, like a chick poultry setting or rice setting or whatnot. I do find myself manually setting it for what I want. Um, I probably don't use the presets very much. The point is the instant pot can be a huge way to lighten your load and good news Traditional Cooking School members or those of you who are interested in Traditional Cooking School, our next class beginning um, within the next two months is pressure cooking featuring the Instant Pot. 
So if you have one, you want to learn to use it better, or you've heard about it, and you want to just start you know, from the ground up with us, you're going to love this class. My daughter um, got married recently, and so she, she was purchasing, oh, she had the most amazing hope chest. I, uh, I wish that I had known what she knows when I got married because I would have made so many awesome purchases. So she, she made like a purchase of an essential oil kit. Um, she got really good knives and bamboo cutting boards, but she wanted a, a crock pot. And I said, Hania, I think you really need to get a uh, instant pot. <laughs> And I was just brand new to it, but I'd been sold on pressure cooking. And she said, okay. And so she got it and she loves it. And she is a whiz with it. So even though she's brand new to it, she's coming to it with a lot of traditional cooking experience from our household. And then of course, we're working through things together. So she and I are going to co-teach the class on pressure cooking featuring the Instant Pot. Uh, So, you know, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 148 will have a link to the pressure to the instant pot that I recommend. You can follow that link, add it to your wish list, you know, start saving now so you can join us on this journey at traditional cooking school. If you're interested in uh, traditional cooking school premium membership, it's traditionalcookingschool.com slash e-course, E-C-O-U-R-S-E. We'll give you more information about that. Number seven, the seventh way I lighten my traditional cooking load everyone, remember how I said everyone eats, everyone cooks? Well, this one is everyone washes their own dishes. As much as I love to do dishes and the contemplative action and the warm soapy water and, you know, just my thoughts and prayers, it's a great time for thinking and prayer and listening to the Lord. I still don't want to wash everybody's dishes. (laughs) So we have this rule. Once again, I'm just going to credit my husband. He's like, this is ridiculous. Everybody should be washing their own dishes. Now, I myself, this is a related thing, which is not really one of my 11 points. It's kind of part of this. This one is I myself have always had the goal, and I don't meet it 100% of the time, but probably 90% of the time, we sit down to dinner and there aren't any prep dishes. So that means when we're done with dinner, we're just washing you know, maybe we put the food away and we've got that pot. We're washing our plates and silverware, but we're not washing mounds of prep dishes. So we sit down to the dinner and the dishes are virtually, you know, caught up, which means then we eat dinner, everybody washes their own dinners. So the person who's on dish duty that night only has a couple dishes to do, which means they enjoy their job and everybody feels like they've had a part in it. And the whole family, it's just less chaotic. It's more like, how wonderful. Like that was so easy. I really want our children and our family to feel the joy of mealtime and eating. And personally, I feel that a sink full of dishes and a counter just heaped up with prep dishes or finishing the meal and having a ton of things to wash just detracts from the joy of the experience. Um, I'm not saying it never happens to us, but, uh, it's just the way I feel about it. It, it. it clutters my mind. It clutters my feelings. It makes me emotionally kind of depressed. And I'm not really a neatnik either. It's just that one thing, the dishes. I just don't like them to pile up. And so I like us to be done with dinner and there not be a mess. And I like everybody to pitch in and wash their own. So dishes are kind of a non-issue in our family because of that. And that really, like the title of this podcast suggests, lightens the load. It really makes a huge impact on your load. So that was tip number seven. The eighth way that I lighten the traditional cooking load is big batches. 
So you may think this is crazy. Um, and I've mentioned it to people and they say, oh, but we make between 12 and 14 quarts of yogurt a week. I do raw milk yogurt and it's a delicious, it's a staple for me because I still pretty much adhere to trim healthy mama with traditional foods and yogurt is such an amazing food on that uh, weight management plan. Uh, my husband does a lot of yogurt as well, so do the kids. And anyway, we do 12 to 14 quarts. And instead of making yogurt like two or three times a week to keep up with our load, I do it one time a week. It's like Monday morning usually because that's our milk delivery day. We participate in a herd share. And so I do 12 to 14 quarts of yogurt. And that lasts us for a whole week. And it is such a huge thing to just feel like... Um, I just got 12 to 14 batches jars of yogurt going. Wow, what an accomplishment. Or the next day when they come out of the dehydrator and I put them in the fridge, it's like, wow, we are set for six more days till I have to do this again. Uh, so big batches. You can do the same thing with uh, desserts or breads you make. If you're making homemade pizza, you can double your uh, sourdough pizza crust recipe and put half of it in the freezer. So next time, you're just pulling the dough out, thawing it, rolling out your crusts, and doing your pizza. I mean, so many things you can double up on. Beans. Um, you can do two chickens in the crock pot instead of one. So that's at least one chicken worth of meat to put in the freezer for you know, quick meals. Anyway, I could talk about this endlessly. The last thing I'm going to say is right now we have a, um, a relish we're eating a lot, which is a cra cranberry apple orange relish. And uh, I make a big batch of it and we mix it with yogurt, you know, have it toast and things like that. And um, I'll do probably four quarts of it and we'll have one quart in the fridge and the other three are in the freezer. And so then when we need to refresh the quart size jar, I just pull out that quart size Ziploc bag, thaw it, and dump it in the jar. So I did the cranberry relish once, and it's really easy, but just think if I had to do that every week, but instead I do it once a month, and uh, we just get to enjoy it. So big batches. I'm a huge proponent of big batches. And if you're a canner or a preserver, you've done a big garden, you already know what I'm talking about because that is the essence of big batches. Whatever you're preserving, um, you are putting up and enjoying for the rest of the year on that effort you put in during garden season. Number nine, um, just use easy recipes. By that I mean, um, well, Virtually every recipe inside traditional cooking school is easy. So if you've done any of them at all, our English muffins, our pizza crust, our soaked rice, um, our sourdough pancakes, anyway, easy recipes. Go to easy recipes rather than complex. It just so happens that with whole foods and the beautiful flavors um, and textures you get with traditional cooking and the quality ingredients, that your family's going to be... Um, in most cases, they're just going to be so perfectly satisfied, like by a nice grass-fed burger with a big salad um, or whatever you choose to make. It doesn't have to be like one of these really complex French dishes or whatever. Just simple, wholesome foods with easy, simple recipes. Let the flavor of the food shine. Let the food itself be beautiful. And turn to simple recipes um, that your family will enjoy very much. It's just so often true that simple it just is the best. At least it is for me. 
Uh, number 10, have your food components ready to go. This is a little bit related to the big batches. Um, so if you've made a big batch of chicken, for instance, or roast, a big roast, so you have pre-cooked meats in the fridge. So you can turn them into sandwiches, you can add them to soups, you can do surf fry, you just use them. Um, if you're cooking a pot of potatoes, cook a double, so then you have cold potatoes for a potato salad or for to do hash browns, or just have these ingredients ready to go so you don't actually have to cook them. Also prepping. So um, like I come home from the grocery store and I will pre I will prep some of the veggies right then and there before I put them away, which is like radishes, green onions, leeks, um, carrots, whatever it takes to prep them. I will do that, wash them and put them in the fridge. I'm a, I'm a sucker for one particular convenience item, and that is the triple wash spring salad mixes. Um, so when we don't have a when it's not in season, I'm not growing my own greens. I love those tubs. So they come from the store triple washed and ready, but it's the same principle. So we whip out salads so easily because all the ingredients are kind of prepped and ready in the fridge. We just pull them up and make the salad for that meal. And the final 11th way to lighten the traditional cooking load. This is related to number nine, which is easy recipes. It's just going to take it a step further. It is to cultivate an, a set of easy go-to recipes. This takes time. It takes exploration. It takes getting your family involved and getting their feedback or paying attention when you serve your meals. Um, but over time, you want to make a point. If it's a special binder or a special digital folder in Evernote or on your computer, but you want to cultivate this collection of easy go-to recipes that your families love. So when you get there, and even seasonally, like you might have your go-to collection of summer recipes, fall recipes, winter recipes, spring recipes, that's a goal, or even just a general collection. But the point is that you have cultivated this exploration of recipes and you've whittled it down to what your family loves that are easy for you guys to put together and cook, for your children to cook, etc. Um, some examples in our family of easy recipes, even recipes that some people might say that's not easy, but it really is because we've all these other tips I've been talking about come into play for how it's implemented. Uh, pizza. Pizza is really easy in our family. So we try to have homemade pizza a lot during the summer because we do it on the grill. But we just a couple times a month, we have homemade pizza, fried chicken. We have once a week. I mean, I showed my I taught our daughter who's now moved out how to do that. Now my son knows how to do it. And they make an awesome fried chicken and um, uh, uh, oven fries uh, dinner. If you guys want to know how we do the fried chicken, if you're a traditional cooking school member and you were a member at the time when the thank you video on fried chicken was released, that's the recipe. Or you may have access to it because you've gotten it as a bonus. But there is a thank you video inside traditional cooking school um, for fried chicken. If you are a member right now listening to this and you don't have that video, all you need to do is email me, Wardy, W-A-R-D-E-E -E, at traditionalcookingschool.com and Millie will answer, but just say, Millie, Wardy promised on her podcast, I'll try to remember to tell her, Millie, Wardy promised on her podcast that if I'm a member and I don't have that thank you video that I could have it. So go ahead and take advantage. This is longstanding. If you ever listen to this in the future, it's not going to expire. But if you don't have that thank you video and you're a member, um, then you can get my fried chicken recipe. Okay. Nachos, 
hamburgers, steaks, chicken soup, chicken salad, sandwiches, spaghetti. That's just a short list of our easy go-to recipes that our family loves where we can use quality whole food ingredients that work around our allergies. They're also easy for me to make THM, Trim Healthy Mama. Um, so that's your challenge is to cultivate your own set of easy go-to recipes that your family loves. And I would suggest that you start at traditional cooking school, either the blog where we have a lot of free recipes, or if you're a member, you have hundreds more recipes in the various lessons and that you just start making a point of using them. Oh, also, if you're a traditional cooking school member, you get our weekly menu plans. So there's three dinner choices every week that you could explore and maybe one of them would end up in your notebook. You're so welcome, Spring Spinner, and thank you so much for the feedback that you are enjoying the tips. So I've come to the end of my 11 ways to lighten the traditional cooking load. They're really the things that I do to save time and so I can enjoy life more and not be in the kitchen um, anymore. If you have any to add and you're live with me now, things that help you lighten your load, go ahead and put them in the comments. And for those of you that are listening or watching when this podcast is released, the show notes are waiting for you. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 148. And I would love to hear from you in the comments there. Um, if any of these resonated with you, or if you have your own uh, ways that you lighten your traditional cooking load, I want to hear from you. Thank you for the hearts that are flowing and the comments that I continue to see. You're all a great blessing to me. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here. In case the comment comes in, I'll stop. Oh, here we go. Um, I can't read your name, but you say I make a monthly menu. Awesome tip. And you can work that exactly with 11 about cultivated a, cultivate a set of easy go-to recipes that your family loves. It, once you get so many of them, they can be a monthly menu that you just rotate. And if you get so many that they turn seasonal, you'll have monthly menus that you can use in summer, spring, fall, and winter. Excellent, excellent point. Thank you so much for that. Uh, okay, Weed Water Grow. Danielle says, I prepare seasonings ahead of time. Another great tip. Thank you. That's awesome. Good, good. I love that. So if you guys have a taco seasoning or a spaghetti sauce seasoning or one of my favorite seasoning blends is called uh, Five Spice, Chinese Five Spice, and I make it up and then we can use it in oatmeal or baked goods um, or in my apple chutney recipe. And you'll see that recipe if you go to traditionalcookingschool.com and you search for chutney, apple chutney. It's a five spice apple chutney. Um, and it has the five spice uh, mix there in that post. Okay, well, thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Thank you for being live. And thank you to those of you who are checking in later uh, with the replay. The show notes are ready for you if you're watching this later. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 148. I will see you there to hear your tips on how you lighten your traditional cooking load. God bless you all. Goodbye. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you'll come back again. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode and get links and more resources about today's topic. Just visit knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then without a space, type the number of this episode. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com slash watch to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. It's a gift. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, 
please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested will find this podcast too. Thank you so much and God bless you.